Rodgers, almost going to fall for Martinez. Antonov trying to get there. Martinez finishes to give away the match. It's an absolute peach from the Paraguayan, Miguel Almiron. Atlanta United in just their second year of existence have won MLS Cup. Fresher final, Joe Patrick, Atlanta United, finally has control over the giant peach water tower in Gaffney, South Carolina. How can you not be romantic about MLS? That was great. We have nothing to complain about this week. We've done a lot of complaining, I feel like. Watch me. Challenge. (laughs) (laughs) No, that was, I mean, honestly, I was thinking about when's the last time Atlanta United played that well? Or when's the last time they had a performance that ended that well? Like, I can't remember. the Chicago game last year? But even still, we were like, yeah, that was kind of fake, wasn't it? Yeah, that was the one. Yeah, they, that was the Ronaldo um, hat trick. Yes, that's right. Yeah, yeah. Maybe. But I mean, even still, like that's a long time ago. Well, I think what makes this different is like you could see the step from point A to point B last week. Mm-hmm. You saw the progress from game one to game two. And then you saw the progress from game two to game three. And it actually manifested in positive results this time. And that's a breakthrough. You know, it's interesting to kind of go back and look at the stats. Atlanta United actually loses the possession battle, but for like the first time in that's funny, maybe years won the game state battle. Mm -hmm. Right. Right. They get that early goal and they get another early goal, which crazy. Can't remember the last time that's happened. When is the last time they scored two goals in the first half? I wonder. Yeah. On the road, Um, especially. I mean, you said it. You said it during the game. You had a tweet that was like, you know, this is a game like last year. You would go into it thinking. You know, Atlanta United has all these advantages. They're the better team. They're they've got the more technically better players, and they probably still find a way to lose. But mm-hmm. that that never even kind of came into mind in this game. I mean, they scored early. Obviously, racked up three goals by halftime. It was never really in question, which was just I don't even know how to comprehend that. This is the exact kind of game last year where we looked at the XG and went, "Yeah, that's lying, isn't it?" Uh-huh. You know, because you look at the final XG from this one, you see Charlotte piled on some shots that were relatively low quality for the most part and actually ended up maybe winning the XG battle in this. But again, that that's game state. That's the kind of thing where Atlanta United came out, controlled the game, and Charlotte was chasing the entire time. And, you know, you started to kind of think, okay, maybe they need one more goal here to really satisfy all of this and to really kind of kill this off. And they found it. They found it to, to their full credit. You know, it was a transition moment with Almada making a, a Miguel Alma run is what yeah, I like to call true. it now. This is the <laughs> new thing. That's nice. And uh, they nailed it. They, they got it right. Luis actually made a quick decision, even though he still took one more touch than he probably should have. It, the ball eventually rolls through on the cross to Caleb, who, I mean, holy smokes, we're going to talk about all of it in just a second. But first, we got to mention that the intro is the song Chances by one Kurt Castle. You can find him on the internet Thank you, and Kurt. other music places. Good job, Kurt. Check out the Patreon, patreon.com slash five strike final. We'll have plenty of good stuff coming to you this week. Hoping to have a, a very special guest on the show who you guys will be very familiar with at this point. And yeah, lots of good things coming to you that way, patreon.com slash five stripe final. Uh, we could do like the whole business time jingle. I'm not going to get into it. I'm just going to mention that Mateus Isetu had a slight knock this week. It seemed to be a hamstring thing. They're being 
extremely cautious with literally everybody Mm -hmm. this year. You're going to notice it throughout the year, I think. And a large part of that is is by mandate, right? They want to take their time with everyone. They want to make sure last year does not happen in any way. It's a philosophy change. It is one of those things where it's a clear indication that they understand that you really only have to be good at MLS for like two months out of the year. So you might as well still hit, might as well stay healthy. Right. Uh, but also it's pretty cool if you go undefeated in your first three games and have the best start in team history. Well, it's pretty neat. And in this case, it helps a lot when you've got a player like Franco Ibarra, just like kind of balling out right now in these first few games of the season, you've got a Marseille who's getting sharp. Santiago Sosa, obviously eligible for this game, got some minutes late. So you actually have some depth there. Again, we were pointing to midfield saying that it was one of the weaker areas of the team coming into the season. But I think we said on the show last week that it's already starting to look like there's actually some more depth there than we thought. And when you look around the team, there's just more depth in certain areas that we thought when you look at guys like Caleb Wiley having a brace in this game and um, yeah, all sorts of different positions where, you know, Juanjo Prata looks very solid at center back mm-hmm. in a two, but in a pairing. So um, nice to see, nice to see. And it's just nice to see a, a relatively healthy team. Finally. Absolutely. Again, you're going to get that continuity that Atlanta United just hasn't had yeah. over the past year and a half, you know, that Gonzalo Pineda has really been looking for and is starting to manifest now and starting to bring genuine, Results. We're going to talk about all of it right now in Sports Prime Game Time. Sports Prime. Sports Prime and Game Time. Sports Prime and Prime and Game Time. Might have to redeem this one. Or, or like change it or something. It's, it's just so it's so bad that like it's not important anyway. Sports Prime Game. Sports Prime Game Time. Joe Patrick. Ooh. Man. Uh, you said it at the top. It's hard to remember the last time they played as well. Let's kind of go through each goal i think how about it yeah. just from the start yeah uh, the first goal look this <laughs> this kind of the first goal the first thing you're going to notice is that all four charlotte defenders are <laughs> are, are ball side away from their own 18 yard box uh Dude, it was charlotte was charlotte was rough charlotte was was really rough i feel bad for but those let's fans. talk about like Let's talk about how we got there, sure. though, and give credit to Atlanta United. So Absolutely. We like, totally negative about it, right? Yeah, yeah. Uh, Amar Sadic makes the tackle. The, the counter pressure in general was really good from the jump today. Uh, continued a trend that we've seen ever since Miguel Berry came into the team. Mm-hmm. The, the counter pressure and the pressure in general has been much, much better. Uh, Amar Sadic wins the ball. Atlanta takes off, uh, finds Caleb Wiley in the middle of the pitch pretty much unmarked and he slammed it home didn't he yeah that was a great finish just like you know going high um a little bit i don't know risky but i mean just smashed it and uh yeah found the back of the net so great finish from him but yeah just a great kind of overall team goal and again this is kind of what gonzalo pineda has been working with on this team you know trying to just get those forward passes going try to create that kind of forward momentum of the team when you get the ball in those transition opportunities. It's it's such a big difference maker for really any team in MLS. And it's something that I feel like Atlanta United in particular is just not capitalized on in the in like most of these last few years, really ever since the Tata Martino era ended is like, you know, really being aggressive in those transition moments. I feel like even under Frank DeBoer, he was so, um, kind of obsessed with like, you know, being in control. He would always kind of talk about that, that he wanted to always kind of consolidate before pushing the team forward. And it's really nice to see a team now that is really just kind of going for it when they win the ball. Gonzalo said it multiple times last year that, and he kind of started laughing at us, I think at one point for asking about like how 
little the direct play kind of came out how little transition moments they actually found and he's like well guys that's not that's not the plan you know we want this to be happening we want this particular game to be playing out that we saw today mm-hmm. you know, where they maybe even lose the possession battle like they did you know uh so it it has been coming it has been in the works it's not like they just woke up today and said you know what i think we're gonna try to score quickly yeah you know but it's good to see it finally paying off because you finally have the personnel in place and the pieces in place to make it pay off i think yeah and in some ways i wonder if you know playing on the road against a charlotte team that i feel like they felt like they had a lot to prove to their own home supporters and they felt like they needed to be out on the front foot i think that helped atlanta united in this game and they were able to kind of capitalize on some of their aggression maybe some of their kind of over aggression with the ball where atlanta united really hasn't had that many of those opportunities yet this season playing san jose and toronto toronto especially that was just pretty much bunkered in for a huge portion of the 90 minutes that they played last week. So I think that Atlanta was really able to capitalize on a lot of the opportunities that were presented to them by Charlotte. And again, Charlotte was not good, but how many times has Atlanta faced not good teams and struggled, struggled to find the net, struggled to control the game, struggle, all these things. Yeah. Make sloppy mistakes. Over the past couple years. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. They didn't do that. Did they? they, they went on the road and, and got it done. Second goal, Joe Patrick straight off the training ground. Uh, I was going to, I was Tuesday. exactly what I was thinking. Yeah. 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 Tuesday, uh, Gonzalo Pineda comes over right before practice and kind of calls all the media over. And I, I thought, like, I don't know. I thought maybe he was trying to get a donut from Doug Roberson or something like that. <laughs> Doug brought us donuts this week. It was great. Um, I didn't really know what was going on. He calls us all over and says, hey, I just want to tell everyone what we're doing at training today. We had the full session there to watch the training session. Um, he kind of explained what each drill was and everything like that. But one in particular, which will stand out after this week, was... They worked on restarts. They worked on uh, these moments where Atlanta United would get fouled and, and restart quickly. They worked on throw-ins and starting those throw-ins quickly and getting things going. And it seemed that the second goal stemmed from exactly that quick throw-in. And uh, ball eventually gets to Luis Eruju. Eruju gets inside the box, moves forward a little bit, gets in a better position, takes a shot off his left foot. And it, it was very similar and the way he finished to how Bernardeschi finished against Atlanta last week. Yeah, it was uh, just kind of the area of the, yeah, that it went in. Uh, I, I also want to give a shout out to Miguel Berry uh, on that on that goal. I think the throw went right to him and he did just a really nice job of kind of chesting it down and then distributing back like a, a classic kind of hold up play move. And um, I feel like we're not going to talk about him much in this podcast because there's so much to get to so much good things. But I really thought he did a great job in this game and, and really helped facilitate a lot of the good stuff that Atlanta United was doing going forward. Just like he's always on the move with his pressure. Um, And in this case, like Atlanta United has not had a forward that can really do the things that he can do just with his size and his hold up play. And it's nice to kind of have a similar profile that he has to Yakamakis where, you know, you don't really have to kind of change your game when, when one of them comes in or one of them's out. Um, It's yeah, just really nice play from him uh, in that buildup. Atlanta controls the game for a little bit there. Charlotte get a few chances. It kind of kind of tilts towards Charlotte a little bit. There are a couple moments of worry. There was the the penalty called on Brooks Lennon, which was very silly, I thought, because Camille Jaswiak just just missed the ball and then kind of started to fall over, and Brooks bumped into him, and that was kind of it. You know, yeah. far that, that, that guy is terrible, too. That guy for Charlotte. He is not good. He's a DP. <laughs> He's a DP. He's <laughs> and uh, I was actually really surprised I mean, they overturned it based on the fact that they gave it in the first place, yeah. but it was so soft. Like, I mean, it was super soft that it should not have been initially given. Yeah. So that, that was ball. Don't the lie. Chance of the day, uh, except for maybe one moment where the ball kind of bounced around a little bit and 
someone like flicked it over their head, almost went in. Yeah, I, one I do home, want to yeah. point out though that Atlanta has been so much better at attacking the ball on their own box, which is a thing they talked about pretty regularly mm. at the end of last season, during this offseason, everything like that. Again, none of the chances really, uh, to some extent, especially none of the goals yet, have come from these moments where the ball is just ping-ponging around right. the box, right. hanging out in the box, and where the ball is just staying in the box for far, far too long. They're clearing it, they're getting it out, and... Everything's much better when the ball is further away from your goal. Who knew? Yeah, yeah. Again, it's like I'm gonna keep repeating it, but like they they won this game with defense. Like we know this team is talented. We know they're technical. We know they have the the players that can score and create goals. But do they have the players that are going to be able to prevent goals from going in? And again, last year, way too many leaked in. And there's tons of reasons for that. Obviously, the whole back line was in complete disarray with all the injuries. And obviously, at at the goalkeeper position, it was, you know, the worst case scenario. So um, if they can keep this going, then, you know, I I think they're going to be in really good shape. But I I tweeted it out uh, during the game. Um, the Hawks posted some in a, uh, interview footage or uh, some locker room footage of Quinn Snyder, the new head coach there, talking about how they won that game with defense. And it's like the same for the Hawks, where it's like the Hawks can score. Like Trey Young, like they got all these guys, like they're going to score. It's can they just keep the other team from scoring as much as they do? And in this case, you know, it's kind of a similar thing for Atlanta United. If they don't shoot themselves in the foot, they're going to be probably a top four or five team in the Eastern Conference. Pretty easily. I think we can kind of start having to have conversations about where this team can go, yeah. which is really fun after three games. Yeah. You know? yeah, yeah. Um, I'll just say, after three seasons of yes, that, of that too. Um, yeah, no, you're, you're exactly right. Exactly right. As long as those things are locked up at the back, you're, you're going to find your moments to score for sure. For sure. And Atlanta did find another moment to score. I don't know what minute it was. I'm not really looking at the thing. I think right it was now. an added time of the first half. Beautiful. Great. Uh, again, I mentioned the top. Omada hits off on a on Alma run, takes off a little bit. Miles Robinson did a really nice Beautiful. job. Pointed pointed out by Parkey here to kind of be patient and let the game kind of open up and let Almada get into that channel before delivering him the ball. Almada works his way around some folks, gets the ball up to Liz Araujo, who again probably won too many touches, but at least there's only one mm-hmm. too many touches, not like five too many <laughs> touches. Uh, gets the ball up from under his feet, gets it across the face of goal, and Caleb Wiley's there to finish in a really calm manner for an 18-year-old. Yeah, and you know what was interesting about this game with Caleb Wiley is that he was getting... I, I, I liked it. He was moving much more centrally in those final attacking third areas as to where, like, you know, in the past, in these first couple games, we've seen him, you know, sticking out wide a, a lot. And again, I, I, I understand it because he hasn't really been in these transition moments as much where he has this open space to to exploit in the middle of the field but it just goes to show also that you don't always have to be like a right-footed player playing on the left side for you to be a dangerous goal-scoring threat um you can be like Caleb Wiley where he's just you know putting pressure on goal with his penetrating runs and he was rewarded for it today so you love to see it he was the third or I'm sorry the fourth youngest player to ever have two goals and an assist um, in an MLS game, really the third youngest player because two of them are Alfonso Davies. <laughs> so uh, pretty good company to be in for him. We actually have some questions about uh, Fonzie in a little bit here. We'll get to him. We'll get to him. But it's interesting you kind of mentioned him, Caleb Wiley, moving centrally more. And that's something I think we've seen from Derek pretty relatively often so far. And he mentioned 
Caleb Wiley mentioned after the game that, that it's been good to have Derek as a person to kind of talk to. I wonder mm. if Derek has kind of pointed out some of these moments where he can move. Essentially, it could have just been part of the game. could have been a natural flow thing. But, you know, it, it's something to think about as well. It, it's also something to think about, Jay Patrick. What's Atlanta Knight going to do on the wing? It's I a know. nice problem to have. Yeah. But Caleb has been good. Derek has been good in, in substitute appearances. And Louise has been fine <laughs> uh, it's gosh it's so hard to complain about a dude who had a goal and an assist today yeah uh, i know taylor I know. found some ways to, to do it uh but you do kind of wonder you do kind of wonder is there a world where wiley and etienne together maybe makes the the product better than the the, the hole here maybe maybe i mean there it's a long season there will be times i'm sure where you know louise probably has to miss a game or something and you could potentially do that i would be very interested to see if louise was you know if he had a knock or something and wasn't able to play how gonzalo would do that because derek from what i understand he's pretty much he's played on the left pretty exclusively um and obviously Caleb is the same way. So I'm not sure if they've tr- kind of tr- cross-trained that at all um, or, or worked with that, but it would be interesting to see what they do. Ultimately, we know that if Louise is healthy, he's going to play because, you know, he is skillful and he's a designated player and all that. So, um, but I don't, you know, I, I don't think you can drop Caleb Wiley for this game against Portland coming up next weekend um, after what he did in this game. So I think it's just one of those situations where, you know, Derek is just going to have to kind of, wait and keep doing what he's doing. He's certainly valuable, you know, coming off the bench and providing, providing that extra oomph if Atlanta United needs it. But, um, yeah, I mean, it's, I'm one of those champagne problems as uh, Tata Martino might say. Yeah. yeah. I mean, if you're Derek, you're kind of enjoying just the chance to, to get healthy and recover and not have to push yourself, uh, too much physically, you know, and your time will come, you know, you know that at this point you're a TAM signing, like, you you know. I, I, def- you know. I definitely think he's itching to play. Like, when, when I talked to him in the locker room after uh, last game against Toronto, and, like, to me he sounded like a guy who's like, no, I'm I like I'm I'm ready to start. I'm ready to play. Um, but you know, every player wants to get out there and be on the field as right, much as exactly. possible. I'd be concerned. Yeah. Right. <laughs> yeah. 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 Um, in the broader sense of things, he's gonna be fine. Mm-hmm. Gonna be fine. I think Atlanta United's gonna be really fine. Yeah. Should also just add that you know I think it's important for Luis to get this goal because I to me he was just such a frustrated figure really ever since that penalty miss. Even in the Toronto game, I thought it was it was kind of an ugly performance from him in general. Just mm. seemed uncomfortable kind of all game. And you hope that a game like this can really, you know, get his get him in the right headspace where he feels like he is contributing to the level that he wants. And um, to be fair to him, I thought that he was excellent in this game off the ball, just the, all the work rate and um you know, for as much as we might nitpick some of his touches and extra touches and things like that, I thought that today was a really positive step for him. I think that's fair. I think that's fair. I hope the the confidence boost kind of shows itself a little more mm-hmm. with proof of concept. There was a moment after the goal that I think kind of summed up a lot of the frustration with Louise where he finds the ball in what's essentially kind of a primary assist zone. He's pretty close to the six-yard box at this point on the right side. He's in a lot of space, and Andrew Gutman is making a run across the face of goal making a diagonal run and Louise like can't decide whether to shoot or pass it to Gutman. So he does like a thing like in between that's too fast for Gutman to get to, but too slow to be considered an actual shot. Mm. And that was a pretty encapsulating moment for some of the frustrations with Louise who 
tries to make too many decisions at once mm-hmm. sometimes mm-hmm. you know it's very it's similar to what we've seen from other attacking players like Ezekiel Barco at times Marcy Moreno at times you know so it's an interesting profile that Lady United keeps continuing to find <laughs> this particular uh kind of player who who has those tough uh choices to make and often doesn't make the right one but uh like you said it could get better it could get better a step in the right direction yeah for sure uh one other thing i might have made the right decisions Jeff. oh by the way yeah like that like if we're talking about dps i do i don't want to include tiago amada in that group right just, just saying. <laughs> right 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 uh well i mean on this note i think it's worth kind of having this uh little discussion about taylor twelman just kind of uh going after marcelino moreno toward the end of the first half talking about how oh, so we're like gonna fight today is, is that <laughs> that's what's gonna happen it was just total strays but i mean i think he was right that you know taylor twelman was saying that um you know, the, one of the reasons why we're seeing this kind of elevated level from Tiago Almada and why Atlanta United is looking so much more effective in some of these transition moments is because you don't have Marcelino Moreno there as this kind of square piece in a round hole, kind of clogging things up a little bit, trying to be on the ball a little bit too much, not a really good off the ball runner type. It just seems like things are flowing a lot better now that you've just got kind of more, you know, sprinters on the wings with Tiago Almada with tons of space to work in the middle. What are your thoughts? Just gonna team me up like this, huh? <laughs> so I responded to to your tweet. Oh, did you? This. I didn't even see. And then I then I backed off it. I deleted it. I was like, why am I engaging in <laughs> discourse on Twitter in this particular forum? Right. It's completely been ruined by an emerald mind, nepo, nepo baby, you know. And I thought, you know, I probably shouldn't be doing that on Twitter. But the good news is, I have a podcast, and so now I can kind of dig into this a little bit and just. Just to remind folks that Marcelino Moreno did not construct the roster. It was not Marcelino Moreno's fault that he got paired with Tiago Almada. And they both did essentially the same thing. And Tiago Almada does it way better. You know, I think the fairest take on Marcy is that he was a pretty good player on a couple of really bad Atlanta United teams. And when uh, they brought in Almada, he became redundant in a bad way. so i i don't want to sit here and slander marcy i really don't i really don't i I think he was genuinely pretty good for two years even with some of his flaws again on a very bad team but then he became redundant and that's that's my marcy take marcy is like to me he's like james harden he's like high volume ugly somehow stumbles into 30 points a game um and I don't know. Almada is just a much a, clearly a more like refined player with a lot more, uh, you know, better kind of intangible skills like the vision and the kind of just awareness well, totally. and not, all this. Yeah, 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 yeah. I, I, know not not. I know you you're not. I know you're not. I know you're not. He was. You know, I mean, he was on Max Tam, but it all, which is not great. But <laughs> he went on a DP. But to kind of to further this, this analogy, I think that it's like when you try to throw too many of these basketball players that are used to like you know having the ball all the time. When you throw them together mm-hmm. on a team, it doesn't work out that well. You need players who are going to complement each other. And so, to your point, I think that um, this set of players just complements each other a lot better than the players maybe on last year's roster did. Oh, definitely. And yeah, yeah. that's what we're seeing. And so, yeah, I think that there's, yeah. What's crazy about it is it should only get better. Yeah. For, oh, it yeah. It should only get better. I mean, I, as good as right. Miguel has been, I've really enjoyed what Miguel's Berry has done. You know, Yakimakis is going to be a, a step above that. They're just going to be a, a maybe a major step above that, you know? I'm really excited to see what this all look like 
looks like when when everyone is together. I still don't quite know what to do with Etsy and Wiley over there. That's a good problem to have, but both are doing really solid things. And like you said, the, the whole puzzle fits together in a way that just absolutely didn't in last year. So I guess the next question is, Joe Patrick, are you ready? Are you ready? I think so. Is Atlanta United back? Oh, uh, yes, I do. I do. It's oh, not okay. even, I don't even think it's that much of a question, honestly. Um, it could, that could change. Like if, if, if Almada gets, gets hurt, then they're in trouble. I think, I think he's. Yeah. Joe Patrick, explain to the folks who Tiago Almada's backup is. Uh, uh-huh. I don't even know. Who would it be? Would it be Rosetto? I, I, don't, I don't know. <laughs> I, don't know. Uh-huh. I don't know. They'd probably have to like start changing formation and all this stuff. Yeah, I, the actual I literally answer is, don't yeah, know. they go like with a, <laughs> yeah. a, a single pivot with two gates or yeah. that kind of thing. But right now, uh, while it's like everything's stable, the situation's stable, you know, the fuel rods are at a normal temperature before, mm-hmm. you know, just... uh. It reminds me of like um, in uh, Apollo 13 when like everything's cool and then um, what's his face is uh, on the comms with Houston. They're like, yeah, can you uh, mix the air tanks for us? Do a little housekeeping. And he like flicks a button and then all hell goes loose. That's like what would happen if uh, Tiago Amato were to get hurt. But yeah, I mean, in this team that was assembled that was on the field today, like you know, they're not going to beat every team three, nothing every single time. They might even lose some games, but in general, this is a team that's going to compete at the top of the league. My whole thing so far this year has been kind of about this being the team before the team next year that, that really, really takes off, but that might be starting to feel a bit disingenuous towards this team's potential ceiling and this team's possible uh, place in the standings at the end of the year, this team's possible chance at a, a trophy run. You know, mm-hmm. it's going to be a team that I, I think competes in a lot of ways. Now, I think we can kind of look through the first three games and say, okay, this was not the stiffest of all sure. competitions yeah, yeah. they could have faced. Yeah. You know, uh, San Jose, they, they probably got lucky. You know, it's a pretty good San Jose team that I'm pretty high on. Toronto is rough. Charlotte is by far the worst team they've played, might be the worst team they play all year. Mm-hmm. They look really bad. Mm-hmm. And they're totally disjointed, and they're and totally major DC United vibes from oh, Charlotte. Dude, their off season was very DC United, and the like. Everyone went, okay, what is the plan here? And then they <laughs> told us the plan, which was to have Swiderski play as like a number ten second striker, Sebastian Drusi type thing. And now he's played on the wing, yeah, for the first three games, and no one really knows what the hell they're doing. Yeah, so yeah, that's exciting. Uh, I'm not sure how much. And I don't know what they're gonna do because if Swiderski and Capetti, like, I don't think they can play cent- both play centrally because then they're just they're too kind of narrow and they don't have enough mm-hmm. like space on the field. I don't know how they're gonna work that. <laughs> the answer is the answer is not getting the ball to Camille Josiak anymore. Don't don't do that more. <laughs> right, right, right. Yeah. Um. So all those caveats in mind, things are about to get a little tougher. Joe Patrick. The next four games for Atlanta. Are you ready? Portland at MBS, uh, Columbus in Columbus against Wilfred Nantes, new Columbus team, uh, Red Bulls. We all know how that goes. NYCFC, who are looking much, much stronger mm-hmm. ever since adding James Sands and um, Santiago Moreno. Rodriguez. Santiago Rodriguez. Yeah. Um, so, a little tougher so here. So, our the, optimism the is about might to be, be put to the test. <laughs> yes. <laughs> I think. I think you probably need to operate under the assumption that like there's going to be still some growing pains. Progress isn't sure, entirely sure. linear. It's been linear for the first three games, which is great. It's not going to be linear the whole year. Mm-hmm. 
you know, and so that there might be some setbacks up and down here. Uh, but as long as like the principles continue to be there, as long as the pieces seem to be fitting together and gelling together and everything like that, I think you can be really positive about what's to come. Even if like the next four games, maybe, maybe make you reconsider a little bit. I'm just saying. <laughs> Yeah, no, I, I mean, I agree. It's, you know, it's always early, uh, early in MLS seasons are always so weird, you know, like, like the season has so many different phases, but it's just about how you kind of grow through and progress kind of from phase to phase. Now, I have a question for you. So, like, we've talked a lot about Thiago Amada and like whether he'll leave this offseason. What if this team is like playing great and they're he's like, you know, among or leading the MLS MVP conversation and Atlanta United is like, uh, you know, a top three team in the Eastern conference. That would be a very interesting situation for this club to be. <laughs> yeah. Honestly, if it's going that well, I think you kind of have to, to go for it. Yeah. You know, I think you kind of have to say, okay, we're going to keep them around for at least one more window. Mm-hmm. See what can happen because I, it feels like that's where this team is heading. This team is heading towards like a high upside playoff team like the kind of playoff team you pick and go okay i don't know if they're actually gonna do this Mm -hmm. they aren't like lafc or philly but they could do this they could right yeah that's that's where i'm kind of envisioning this going right now that could be totally wrong by the end of the year but that's where it feels like this is heading yeah which is again 2017 all over again isn't it yeah it is but i mean hey i think this team has you know the other thing that this team has going for it is that They've played with each other for a while. Like it has a core that really knows each other, you know. Um, especially when we talk about like these midfielders. I think one of the things that's helped them in these early days of the season is that they are very familiar with each other. And you know, Franco Abara has now been playing with these guys for a couple years. So um I feel like they are kind of primed to continue to improve. Again, you gotta avoid the injury bug. For me, that's the biggest one. I think if this team avoids injuries, they're going to pretty much surpass i think pretty much everybody's reasonable expectations that they had of them coming into the season sounds nice isn't it sounds nice i'm feeling Did like i'm feeling about? like i felt uh after the skc game last year the first game oh, <laughs> the year when it was like yes yeah, that's that's fair <laughs> uh Jeff patrick any anything to complain about i mean we, we got to find something right what? it was too bright it was too it sunny was too bright the cameras were struggling to handle it yeah it seemed like yeah Need to mess up, mess yeah. around with some f stops on there or something like that. A little too blurry. A little too blurry. F stops. Uh, that's all that's, we got as uh... far as complaining goes. This is weird. <laughs> I don't get it. Uh, nope. Can't think of anything. Let's go to a break. Okay. And we're gonna take y'all's questions, but that's after we tell you that this episode of Five Strike Finals presented by our friends at Lucid FC. That's Lucid Footwear and Clothing. They have a shop in Buckhead that's open by appointments and walk-ins from one to eight p.m. daily. It's located at thirty-two oh nine Paces Ferry Place. You can visit them online at lucidfc.us. They're kind of like an urban clothing street, like European street wear. Is that a phrase, Sam? Is that is that how you say, is that a thing? Does that sound? I don't know. You, everybody knows what I'm oh, talking about. Everybody knows what I'm talking about. Of Atlanta United uh, in the locker room with all their shirts off, and it looks like the cast of like 300. Oh, they're already doing the they're already doing the locker room uh, picture. Uh, That's apparently uh-huh. a big thing. 
I, statement anyway, maybe you can look statement. you can look that good if you wear it loose enough. that's right that's, there are some pla- there are some players on the team i think who have worn loose i think miles robinson's been wearing the lucid gear at times um mm-hmm. anyway uh that's because they're local it's two twins from right here in atlanta um you can use dss as your season-long pro- uh, promo code for free shipping in the united states again at their website that's lucidfc.us they've got new releases that come out every thursday there so make sure you check that out and uh if you like what you see give them your business fsf approved what an ad read. What an ad read. What a whole bunch of questions you guys got to us very quickly. It's some of these even through the middle of the game. We told y'all we were recording quickly after the game. Y'all delivered. Uh, game was pretty much over at halftime anyway. So. Up early. Up early uh, until like the 13th minute. Where we, we started getting questions. <laughs> oh, wow. Uh, Ralph says, are we the greatest team in MLS history? <laughs> non-2023 Sounders edition. Parentheses asked at 13th minute. You know, that's still held true. That's still held true. Normally we would go back and say, oh God, Ralph, you jinxed us. But, uh, for now, looking pretty solid. I think Atlanta actually is technically, as we were recording this, on top of the supporter shield standings. So, Oh, really? There you go. Interesting. Take that forward. I was going to say, no. is this, are they the greatest team in Atlanta United MLS history so far? With the what? Yes, seven points yes. through three through three games. There mm-hmm. you go. Never happened before. There you go. Even that 2018 team got thumped by Houston just out of nowhere yeah. <laughs> to start the year for nothing. So, uh, yep, there we go. Great. That, 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 that was the day that Five Strike Final was born. That's true. In my That's true. in my it's Hyundai Sonata hill ever since. Chris F <laughs> said, "Is Atlanta good? Is Charlotte bad?" Both. I think both. I think both. both? I think both. I think both. I think Charlotte's Charlotte's, Charlotte's definitely bad. Yeah. <laughs> They're in trouble. They're in trouble for sure. But Atlanta's but good. Capitalized on it. Yep. Atlanta's good. Exactly. Uh again, the counter pressure, man. I can't get over it. Can't get over it. It was so, so good throughout the game and caused so many issues. And then they hit quickly and transition. And that's how you beat a bad team, right? You capitalize on mistakes. Yep. Uh Bert Hansom says, What's with all these goals? Uh well, Bert, they counter pressed and they capitalized on those mistakes. Uh, C Black says uh, in an interview this week, Brooks said that they were playing with a six and two eights. Is that right? It does kind of feel like that's what Tiago is actually doing. I think that's a pretty, pretty fair assessment. We get the lines blurred sometimes between what an eight and a 10 actually yeah, is. Yeah. And all like is not quite as like football manager as it sounds. Right. You know, right. it goes back to that John Muller piece about us like needing better names for soccer players, mm-hmm. you know? It's not an eight. It's yes, not a he ten. He's a, he's a flying yeah. eight. Uh, that's the, that was my favorite uh-huh. one of Miguel. The flying eight. This was like you know, yeah, which so, real, some yeah. journalist came up with in uh, Argentina, like somewhere in a newspaper, and then it stuck. But um, yeah, I mean, Thiago's going to drop, you know, and get in a defensive block when he has to. But he's also obviously going to go forward and occupy that space, that you know, number ten space, and pull the strings. So that's and he does a great job of it. I think you know, yeah. We don't need to say anything more about it than that. No, I don't think so. I think so. Again, Alma runs. Lots of Alma runs. And that's what's going to make us success. Soccer. He's good at, he's just good at kicking a soccer ball. Good at kicking. Yeah, that's it. The, the shot he had from distance oh, yeah. where he had it dip late. Dude, that, yeah, uh, the way that there. that thing Oof. dipped was wild. So if he was like five yards back, it would have been a banger. The second it came off his you foot, know. I was like, oh, that's way over. Yeah. And then it was like it was like a curveball. It was like a Charlie Morton curve. Talented human uh, on the soccer field. A lot of money coming in Atlanta's way. A lot of money coming in Atlanta's way for sure. Uh, S. McFarland says best regular season win since the Rev 
wedding. <laughs> I think we might be getting just a little tiny bit ahead of ourselves <laughs> on that one. But uh, you have to enjoy a, a win over a maybe not a rival, but like a a close neighbor like that for sure. For sure. Did you see that the scoreboard went out in Charlotte? Went out. I saw Conti tweeted that. Yeah. Oh, I, hmm. Hmm. Suspicious. I'll say that. It is suspicious. It is suspicious. I did notice that when apparently it was out, like the banners, like the banner scoreboards were still on. So I don't know. I don't know what was going on there. It could be that like (laughs) the camera, like the fan shots or whatever were like, they were being too obscene towards like, they were so mad (laughs) flicking off the camera and things. They had to like dump it, dump the video, turn Uh, it off. There there were some booze apparently at the end of the game as well. People in Charlotte, pretty frustrated yeah because they fired their good manager last year (laughs) yeah i could hear at halftime the booze came it was loud it's i mean it's it's a rough situation there there's their coach by the way looks exactly like frank DeBoer. yeah same vibes too isn't it is it i don't i don't even know i don't i know nothing about him but just the kind of look on his face and the (laughs) The look of like the dog running on the moreland face (laughs) Yeah, that one. Yeah. James O'Connor face for a throwback right, right. for like 2018 Orlando. Right, right. Um, <laughs> let's see. Bad Com says, um, wow. second, this one, I'm not sure which one we're actually referring to. It looked to me like a lot of bad defending was the difference between last game and this one. What's your take? Uh, yeah, bad defending, but it was pretty intentional. If you kind of look at the passing chart for Atlanta United, like where they progress the ball, you look at that right side and you can see that they progress the ball down the right side about like 42% of the time and so what was kind of unique about that right is that normally atlanta plays to the left they build up on the left and they try to switch to the right isolate brooks and louise and get them in one-on-one scenarios this time they kind of built up through the right found transition moments through the right and charlotte didn't really know how to handle it and i think that's why you started to see charlotte react and start to draw ball side like that and bring those defenders that way and when atlanta switched and basically pulled an una reverse on the normal attacking style it was a lot for charlotte to handle so yes bad defending pretty terrible defending to be totally honest but atlanta threw a curveball and, and charlotte whiffed really hard yeah i would agree with that i mean I, my take on this is that like um teams that play against the philadelphia union will probably leave that game saying like oh we defended like shit you know like we were terrible but like that's like good teams make you look bad like they exploit bad play and so i thought atlanta united just really did that in this game they capitalized and took advantage of the mistakes that charlotte was making and ultimately that's what's going to win you games when atlanta united has lost a lot of games it's because other teams have exploited mistakes that atlanta has made so it's just one of those things where um i think that that's kind of the point of the game, which is to take advantage of those moments. And uh, we haven't seen Elaine and I do enough of that in the last couple of years. So it was really nice to see today. Greg has a few questions here. First one is how much more will Caleb Wiley sell for than Alfonso Davies? I don't think we're quite talking that level. <laughs> I wonder if we're talking like in the future. It's so hard to project things, but more than like a Brian Reynolds, more than like those Dallas fullbacks that, that left early you know yeah i think that could be possible what was brian reynolds was he six? Oh, six or seven yeah something, something like that, that. yeah and it's then, funny and then I, he never played I, at Roma. I had a friend who texted me he was like so is caleb wiley gonna be around a while like he's just like not like very close mm-hmm. like huge soccer fan and you know so if, if any of our listeners are wondering that 
I would say probably not, um, mainly because of the position that he plays. Like, there is always the chance that Atlanta United could, like, for a promising homegrown, they could just give them, like, a Miles Robinson contract, you know, make them a TAM player and keep them around and continue to build around them. But I don't think that that's something Atlanta United would want to do uh, for a player who's, like, a fullback, basically, uh, who's kind of, like, at a non-crucial position for them. Uh, plus, you know, with the homegrown, you get to reinvest all the money that you get from it. Uh, not necessarily right into the roster, but you do get all the money. The club would get all of the money for the, that they end up getting in a transfer fee. So I do think that he will go probably, well, I don't know when it will be. I mean, he has like an amazing season. I guess it could be like after this year, but I tend to think he'll be around for, for one more year. And yeah, this far out, I would probably put like 10 million as a number on it. I have no idea how accurate that might like be, yeah. but that's just, that'd be more than that 7 million number we were throwing out yeah. a second ago. And so what was all, what was Davies like 19 or something? Yeah. 19. Yeah. I think it's about exactly right. We, we can look these up later, but yeah, somewhere around there. Somewhere around there. Uh, Greg also said, seemed like at times in the second half, we almost let them back into the game. Did Pineda switch tactics at all or just personnel? I'd like to see Gutman pulled back into that left center back role in these situations. So I'm, I'm guessing he's talking about a back three there. Uh, not sure I'd really want to see that kind of formation switch that late in the game. Yeah. Uh, but, but in general, I think Atlanta was in control. Like, yeah, they ceded possession, but they were in control. And obviously they found a moment to hit and transition a few times. And, and that was kind of the general plan from that point. It never felt like, yeah, Charlotte was getting chances, but I mean, Atlanta, I mean, if you've watched Atlanta at all in the last few years, you've seen them get plenty of chances chasing the game and it not matter mm-hmm. today that happened the opposite way. Right. Exactly. It's all, it's all about game state. Um, I mean, there, yeah, I, Charlotte did have some chances. Like, w- there was this funny because, like, there was one I noticed that was just clearly from Santiago Sosa just kind of getting his pocket picked. And I think, so I think part of that, part of some of the chances are down to the fact that you had, you know, some new players coming on who are just not as in flow with the team. I think, honestly, you know, sometimes the environment can stifle a team a little bit too when you're just kind of in a sleepy second half when you kind of know the result is in hand sometimes you just give the ball away or make some mistakes that you wouldn't normally but I never felt like the team was under any kind of serious danger in that second half so I don't think Pineda will be particularly worried about it either yeah this is kind of one of those exciting games for us because if we go back and rewatch it we really only have to watch the first half (laughs) yeah that's great I could get my post game column done knocked out just get that knocked out in the second (laughs) half exactly exactly uh sasquatch hopscotch says please talk about midfield pairings and how it's possible that abara is the must-start guy and all this he was really good again joe do not stand on the tracks when franco abara is coming through oh my gosh was it Cop- I, was it I, capetti that he he took out like uh i mean probably there was yes. probably a few oh, players it was clean yeah too. it was it I was mean, real clean yeah, yeah. You know, i love it like, oh god he's gonna break somebody's <laughs> leg this year it's gonna be the most terrifying you remember the the louisville basketball player that like completely shattered his leg on yeah oh my gosh yeah yeah it's gonna be like that we're gonna be like that was terrible also awesome also don't do it again also do it again um he's been really good yeah really good. i don't know i don't know what else to say at this point i do want to say that I asked Gonzalo multiple times and then like followed up with him in training on Thursday about Sosa and Ibarra together as a pairing. And he was very, very hesitant to suggest that as an idea because 
he likes a bar in the six, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. Obviously. I don't know how he took that long to get to that conclusion. <laughs> <laughs> I described it. Uh, I think I had a tweet about this, about like trying to get a T-800 Terminator to teach an art class. <laughs> like, why are you trying to get a bar to do that? Mm-hmm. You know, like he's a six. He was clearly a six from birth. He was made to do six things. I don't understand why they were ever trying to make him an eight in any way. But obviously, if you keep him as a six, you would kind of have to have Sosa as that more advanced eight. And what he didn't like about that was that Sosa is not going to generally make the runs forward into kind of the half spaces and kind of the the channels that lead into the primary assist zone. Right. Mm -hmm. And so that was kind of his hesitation with putting Santiago at the eight, in addition to probably some unsaid things about like their ability to, to cover ground, et cetera, right? Mm-hmm. What mm-hmm. they could do eventually, and I think what maybe we probably saw at the end of the game was essentially two sixes, right, with Almada head kind of as a 10 floating, mm-hmm. right? And the precedent for that, Gonzalo told me, is in Seattle, they had a moment where Ozzy and a player named Gustav Svensson, who you probably don't remember. I, I do remember uh, him. Yeah. yeah, played as two six, Nico Adero as the 10. I'm really intrigued by that. Mm. I want to know more about that. I might have to go back and ask some folks about this, Mm -hmm. Uh, but that's a possibility down the road right now. The team is not set up in a way where that is part of what they can do. And I wonder if Sosa coming on at the end of the game in part was for Sadich having yellow card, but I wonder if in the future that was part of maybe beginning to set the building blocks for something like that potentially if needed. Yeah. Yeah, it could. It could. Uh, I understand Gonzalo's predicament here because um, I totally understand what he means when you talk about him, about Sosa not wanting to kind of get forward. Sosa really likes to kind of drop deeper and see the game ahead of him and spray those passes, you know? That's exactly how he phrased it, is seeing the game ahead of him and and spreading the ball side. Interesting. And and then also the thing is, the other kind of interesting component with these two players is that actually they both like to pass the ball forward. Like, um... It's interesting that Franco Abaro, because we think of him as the six, but he's making the more more forward progressive passes than Mateus Rosetto. And I think that one of the things that's making Rosetto and Abaro work is the fact that they do kind of complement each other where Abaro is this tackler. Abaro is more likely to play the ball forward, you know, and it seems like Rosetto kind of fills in the gaps around Abaro's game really well, where he just is more tidy and can recycle and... um Involves some different teammates. So, um, yeah, I, I don't know if I have a point to all this, but I just understand the the, the issue that this is. And I, it seems to totally. me for right now, it would be kind of, um, you know, for to start a game, you're either going to pick between Sosa or Ibarra. And again, kind of similar to what we talked about in the left wing with Wiley and Etienne, while we might have some, you know, preconceived notions about who the better player is in that position right now in the current form. You just stick with who, what's working. You don't, you don't, bro, bro, you know, fix something that isn't broken. And over the course of the season, some somebody will break, and you'll have to put them in there. Right. Yeah. It, it'll change. It'll change. But you're right. It's a dilemma. And just to clarify, I know some of y'all were listening to me talk about what Sisa doesn't do and screaming that Mateus Isetu doesn't do it either. And you were correct. He, he said, yeah, we're trying to work on him doing that more, right? We're trying to work on him getting into those half spaces more. And he did a pretty good job of it against Toronto where he floated into spaces mm-hmm. when Atlanta was in possession. And that's how he ended up with three shots from distance. Uh, but still, he, he got into those spaces, which was encouraging. Mm-hmm. You know? mm-hmm. So uh, I get it. At the same time, Joe Patrick, if you're asking me whether I would, I would personally choose 
Marsadich or Mateus Asetu right now, I think I choose Sadich. I would choose. I think I would choose Sadich too. That was true last year, and I think that's true after today. I thought he was so good in this game, like in a very kind of understated way. Like you don't notice him really, but when you then like look at a replay, you realize that he's putting in like a crucial pressure or you know a key tackle or just you know doing something that was important overall for the team. Um, He's been a great signing, honestly. Like that was on he was kind of a I forget somebody got hurt or something something happened to the team and he was you know kind of an emergency signing for them I think it was in 2021 under uh, when Gabriel Heinze was still around um but you can't say enough about what Amar Sadich has done to improve his game and make himself a, a regular in this team I think he's you know competing right there at the top to be a, a regular starter for this for this you know, team that I think we agree is, is pretty damn good. So credit to him. I don't know how we got here. But I'm glad <laughs> it's we wild. did. It's wild. But I'm glad we did. <laughs> glad we did. Jeff Patrick, I'm glad we got to the end of the episode. Anything you want to add? Anything you want to add? No, it's just it's funny how I feel like we have less to talk about when everything goes so well. <laughs> but yeah, that's great. 30 minute episodes are back on the menu, y'all. Enjoy. <laughs> yeah. We've increased the pace of play. We're like we're like baseball. Everything's getting better. Yeah. Everything's getting better. We didn't really talk about uh, Yako at all, but it was kind of a training exercise for him today. So yeah. I think so, he'll probably I mean, start see, when they come back next week. I would think so. I would imagine so. You can see him getting frustrated, too, mm-hmm. when yeah. he doesn't score. Like, even in moments where he shouldn't technically score, there was a moment where Tiago took a shot from relatively outside the box, and he was scrambling Yako was he was scrambling to the goal mouth to try and get the rebound and when the rebound didn't happen because the goalkeeper caught the ball he was visibly upset yeah about it you know which was very funny to me because like were you not I mean yes you were not expecting him to catch the ball that's great strikering you know but like really though really were you not expecting him to catch right it? right there was one time yeah. too there was kind of like a, ball, a bouncing ball in the box and he just did one of his kind of patented like balls bouncing I'm gonna like you know swing around and like just you know, I don't care who's in my yes. way. And Taylor Tolman was like, whoa. Because, <laughs> uh, <laughs> like, watch it was out. A very You're going to kick somebody. Yeah, yeah seriously, himself, it was. You know? Yeah, yeah, totally. So it, it would have been really cool. He's going to pull off a few of those this year. I'm yeah. excited to see what he looks like in the starting lineup. And yeah. I'm excited to see where we go from here. I'm not excited to see Portland coming into town next week. It feels like it's, gonna, it's going to feel like a regression. Can I say that right now? It's going to feel like a yeah. regression because Portland is going to sit in and make that game as ugly as possible because it's Portland, mm-hmm. right? And so people are going going to go, damn it, we got back home and everything. We're shooting from outside the box again. Right, yeah, 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 yeah. exactly. You know, but that's what this game is going to be. If they come out of it with, uh, with a win and a result, I wouldn't worry too much about how it happened. Mm-hmm. That's no all doubt. I'll say about that. Yep, totally. Totally. Cool. All right, Joe Patrick. Atlanta United is back. We'll be back next week. Back on the menu. All more stuff. But first, check the Patreon, <laughs> patreon.com slash five strike final. I got plenty of stuff coming up and this week. Check out Sam's stuff on the striker. Again, no one's doing a better job covering the team in the world. You're number one in the world, Sam, at covering Atlanta United. I did it. Thank you very much. I appreciate it. The striker.com. Check it out. All right, let's go here. Bye.
Thanks for tuning in, everyone, to this completely arbitrary internet content piece.